Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I will say that it is entirely my fault that you did not have a lovely pre-recorded show last week because um, we had a beautiful conversation in the greenhouse and recorded, and uh, it is not our fault that the machine. Did no, no, no. It was entirely my fault, and because I so and and I will say this, and I will completely own up to this. I have a history. With um, with recording technology, um, I'm I'm legend in my family for uh, at my <laughs> older sister Laura's wedding. I mean, this was in my defense is back in the 80s um, when video cameras were pretty new, and they had decided at the last minute that they were going to videotape their wedding, and I was delegated to run to the store and rent a camera and figure out how to use it. And I got like a 10 minute instruction, and then like you know videotaped the rehearsal, the you know getting ready for the wedding. Oh wedding. no. All this, all this stuff, and uh, then um, about halfway through the reception, my brother figured out that when I thought the camera was recording, it was actually on pause, and when I thought it was on pause, it was recording. And I have to tell you, it was the most epic wedding video ever. They really loved it. In the end, it was very weird. But so me thinking that something is recording when it's actually not is not unprecedented. <laughs> Well, but, here we are, thanks to the magic of Dylan and Cam UN. We are on phones, kind of looking at each other across rows of lettuce and carrots, just harvesting some carrots, and, mm-hmm. and thinking about this spring, which is a very different spring, maybe, than what some of us thought it might be. Uh, it is. It is very different. And one of the things that we've both been hearing um, is about how excited people are to be starting gardens, um, to be gardening, to be growing some food for themselves. There's a lot of concern about food security and where our food is coming from, um, people wanting to feel some sense of, maybe some sense of control over that or some sense of autonomy in understanding where their food comes from. And so it's pretty exciting to see all of the new gardens starting up. Um, maybe this is you, say, maybe this is I'm, something that I'm you're doing. I'm so inspired. I'm so inspired by it. I am so inspired by uh People that are possibly have never grown vegetables before, but are mm-hmm. um, feeling the need to connect with their food system a little bit more, uh, feeling the need to connect with something green, something that is growing, something that they are helping to grow, and and being able to check in with that and possibly have some food or flower bunches as a as a reward there in their own personal space. Um, yeah, I think it's also a great thing to be doing. Jumping in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> jumping in. Sorry. I feel like we're, um, we, it's like we need that walkie-talkie thing where we say over. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We've now moved completely <laughs> away you. from each other. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I've um, thought about, too, is that, you know, gardening, especially with certain plants, it's a great thing to do with kids. And a lot of kids are at home now. I mean, all kids are at home now because um, schools are closed. And... I think a lot of folks are looking for activities to do with their kids. Um, and if you have access to a garden, I know that not everyone does. Um, and that's another thing to think about. But for people who do have access to a garden and where you can maybe grow a few things, this is a great activity to get your kids involved with. Um, and there's some really, I, I think especially if you've never grown um, produce crops before, if you've never really gardened before, start with some easy ones. Don't immediately start trying to grow Brussels sprouts, you know, or something super complicated. <laughs> start with lettuce. Start with peas. Start with beans. 
start with things that are probably going to do well and give you some positive results because I think that that's such a great confidence builder when you um, start a garden and you have some success, right? Definitely, definitely. Um, Peas, nothing like some peas. And and I guess also thinking along the lines of maybe you don't have in-the-ground space. I mean, that takes mm-hmm. a while to prep if you do have it or possibly you're living in a, a, a rental or something like that where you're not able to dig up actual earth. So many great container gardening ideas right now. I'm watching people turn all kinds of things into to planting containers, which is really fun and a smaller scale, and maybe your root crops aren't going to be happening in there, but... A great way to grow a little lettuce or a little kale, mm-hmm. some peas you know, lettuce on a has tower. A sh- <laughs> lettuce, lettuce has a very sh- um, pretty shallow root system, so it only needs a container that's maybe like a foot and a half to two, maybe two feet deep. Um, it's mm-hmm. fine. I don't think it even needs two feet. So for lettuce, wide rather than deep is good. Um, you know, you can use old old pots, but you can also people can. Um, I've seen people make uh, containers out of old cans. You know, like a large can for um, sauce or something like that. You know, poke some holes yeah, in the bottom, can. and you can plant an herb yeah. in that. You know, there's there's lots of things that you can transform into containers. Just make sure that it has drainage holes. That's mm-hmm. key. You don't want to drown your plants. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thinking about not overplanting into one container or or heck, you know, if you're experimenting and, you know, you look at the square foot gardening uh, sort of world where you're fitting in a lot of things in one square foot. So, uh-huh. so <laughs> your, your plants are going to get bigger if you leave more space. Um, but kind of fun to be able to, to have a whole bunch of things in one little space that, that maybe you'll get to try. Yeah, I think it's a good... It's a good way for people to connect and, and feel like they're doing something positive, which, I mean, you are doing something positive. But gardening also gets you outside. It gets you in the sunshine. It gets you in the rain. It gets you in the fresh air. And I think for everybody right now, that's such a great, um, great for us mentally um, and physically, too. A little physical activity is really positive. Um, you know, physical if you activity, have some room fresh in your air. garden, um, think about maybe some, some berries you could plant. Think Think about things you could plant for the future. Can you can you fit in a blueberry plant or maybe a fruit tree or something like that? A lot of our local nurseries still have things like that in stock. And those are great plants that maybe you're not going to get a lot off of this year, but into the future that's something that's going to continue to give back. So, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, our folks at our local garden centers can offer some great advice about, you know, what might work well in your garden you know, those classic things you need to think about are sunshine, how much sun do you get, what kind of soil do you have, you know, is it well-drained or is it sandy, and just, you know, think about what's going to do well in those kind of situations. Yeah, and, and investigating your soil, you can you can dig down, you can take some of the soil in your hand and actually squish the soil uh, if it's holding together. If it's stuck together, you know, the, it kind of indicates um, what different types of soil you have and what you might need to amend with or, or um, yeah, yeah add, add to. Yep, and, you know, I say, like, especially if it's a new garden, you can't go wrong with adding some compost. 
and adding some all-purpose organic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I think those are some great yeah. places to start. And lime, you know, a bit of lime because our yeah. soil out here is very acidic. Yeah. What are and, some and of your nice favorite? Where's some of your favorite crops to go? Do you? I mean, I, it's funny. I remember. I'm trying to remember when I first started gardening. What were the things that I got the most satisfaction out of? What did I really love growing? Zucchini. I loved growing zucchini because it's kind of bulletproof, <laughs> and you can make so many different things out of it. That is and true. It's easy that one. Um, peas. Love, mm-hmm. love the peas. Snap peas. Um, really easy to eat. I think having some things that you can eat just right there in the garden. Yep. You know, there's there's yep. no there's no going inside and making something. Sometimes it's just fun to have peas or carrots or things that you can experience right there and have a, a snack outside. Yeah. You know, carrots are something that a lot of people I mean they, they grow pretty easily, but I've I've heard feedback and, and certainly this has been a problem for me. Sometimes germination can be a problem with carrots. And the thing that I have learned is that it's really important to um, when you sow them, they're very, very fine seeds, so they they don't they barely need to be covered, if at all. It's kind of you know scattering them on the surface of the soil and pressing mm-hmm. them in, but they do need to be kept evenly moist, especially until yeah. they germinate and until like they're you're starting to see some some carrot action there, um, and and that can sometimes mean like a light daily watering. If you let the soil really dry out in between. Um, yeah, you can yeah. reduce your germination. And I know that's been a problem for me here at the farm. I'm finally getting a handle on, um, and I know for a lot of home gardeners that's a challenge too. And then you need yeah, to thin your carrots, and that's really you're, you're hard making, to do. You're making a commitment when you're putting the seeds in the ground. You're making a commitment to to making sure that that stuff stays moist. If you think about the those little tiny seeds that we're just going to pat into the soil, you think about mm-hmm. their little tiny root systems that are starting and how easily it, the top of the soil dries out. So, yeah, you're, you're making a check-in with them on, Absolutely. on probably a daily and, basis. And really daily, I think, especially in those early. And they can take – you also need to be patient because they can take about three weeks to germinate sometimes. And so it's not going to be an immediate thing. And – that like my other thing on carrot irrigation is like gentle, gentle water. Because if you have yeah. like a hard spray that you're you can wash those seeds out because they're so fine, or if you flood the soil, and like there's a lot of surface runoff, those little seeds can kind of wash down and maybe all come like land in a clump somewhere. So you might get this huge clump of carrots germinating, <laughs> and then nothing in another spot. That's happened for me before. That's definitely <laughs> happened. happened for me too. Happened for me too. You know, in that. Investing in a in a in a nice water wand or some sort of uh, a nice attachment for your hose, so you can have these. I just love looking at the various you know settings. Shower, mm-hmm. gentle Mist. shower, <laughs> gentle shower, gentle shower is a um, good one. Yeah, not small, hard small spray. investment. Yeah, not not a focused spray. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, carrots, I just, I love growing carrots. And homegrown carrots, fresh carrots, are just magical. The flavor of them is incredible. It doesn't seem like it should be that different, but, oh, my goodness, a carrot you just pull out of the ground 
is a phenomenal yeah. thing. And I was having so much trouble getting them to germinate here at the farm. And I was talking to a local fellow farmer, Larry Nelson, who has Lana Conscious Farm over in Lewis and Clark area. And um, I was like, hey, Larry, how do you grow such amazing carrots? And he's like, well, I'm just out there every day watering them until they germinate. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> you can't get away from that. Watering until, you know, watering, good watering. That's it. Well, so, that's, that's, I mean, that is part of the, the mental health aspect of this game of gardening, you know, being able to, to make a commitment to be out there each day, even if it's a short amount of time to check in. And even mm-hmm. if it's raining, to go check in with the slug world. And, um, yeah, just that, that it's an active practice that helps, mm-hmm. helps keep you present and, and gets you outside, which yep. I think we all are relating to the fact that that is making us feel better when we're outside. I want to say something about slugs in that this is a time of year when a lot of plants are emerging from the soil things either if it's a like an herbaceous perennial or um, or things like dahlias um, roots and tubers that are just starting to push their first green shoots up out of the ground now that the soil is warming and this is an amazing time for slugs to step in and cut those green shoots off so that you think oh my dahlias aren't coming up what the heck yeah and yeah. Um, so it's, if you have dahlias in your garden or you have other plants that you've planted and you're waiting for them to emerge make sure and go out and, and like toss around a little bit of iron phosphate granules that's the the pet friendly bird safe slug bait um, and you will be amazed you really will be amazed i have so many people that have thought that their dahlias were just dead they didn't come back that year and they put a little bit of slug bait out and boom, their dahlias are up. So yeah, it's amazing really looking around too. too, and that can be part of your your morning or your evening visit into the garden. Sometimes just digging around a little at the crowns of plants, looking underneath mm-hmm. pots. Sometimes we can be yep. our own little slug mercenaries. And uh, absolutely, this is also tra- a great children activity. Great children activity. Trans- um, you know, give your kids a bucket of soapy water them. and put a bounty on the slugs. I did yep. that once with my nieces and nephews when they came to visit. I think it was like like a, a nickel a slug. Maybe it was a dime a slug, <laughs> 10 cents a slug. And, whoo, those kids cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, been there. <laughs> been on both sides of that scenario. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's effective. And then the kids have some pocket change. So that's a positive thing, too. I know. I think, yeah. that, you know, we're going we're gonna to be talking in, in future shows more about, you know, getting gardens established and good things to grow and what's in season. Um, and, you know, we'd love to hear from you about, you know, your questions or concerns or thoughts about things. I think maybe um, at the moment, if you send, you know, questions to the radio station, um, they can get to us and we can maybe try and address those issues in future shows. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of positive things to be found in this moment here. I think there's a lot of reconnection to what's local, reconnection to our local community, um, to our homes and gardens, maybe to our community gardens, um, to our local farmers. And this is also a great time to support your local farmers and food producers. Um, there's a lot of them out there, and 
there's some great ways to connect. I encourage everyone to, if you're down in Tillamook County, connect through Food Roots. If you're up here in Clatsop County, contact North Coast Food Web. Um, check out farmers markets and see what they're maybe doing to find ways to help facilitate farms getting their produce to you or connect with. There's, I mean, we have such an abundance of local food here. Um, you know, we have because, some great because local so so many people. You know, we are lucky to watch a, a beautiful uh, small farms movement happening here on the north coast because mm-hmm. of various reasons but one of which being food security i mean we are yep. on the upper left edge and yep it is very important for us to have professional people <laughs> professional farmers that that are out there growing food for us or or semi-professional farmers or hobby farmers or whatever that looks like, whatever those terms are, Mm -hmm. to know that we have some food growing out here and to know that people are, if you're so inclined towards um, the meat end of the world, that there's people out here um, doing animal husbandry in in ways that, that is you can feel good about investing in. Absolutely, and I really urge you, I mean, I know there's been a lot in the news lately about meatpacking plants and closures and limited supplies of meat in our in our world, and if you are a carnivorous person, that might sound like something that's kind of scary. Where are you going to get your meat from? Well, you can get your meat from a local producer, and there's some really great ones here on the North Coast. Again, um, you know, I'm, like the ones that come to mind immediately are places like Melville Farms here in Lewis and Clark area, Nahalem River Ranch. Mm-hmm. Farm vittles, mm-hmm. um, lots of places to connect with. There's some great local cheese, Skamakaway Farmstead Creamery over in Washington, amazing goat cheese. There's just a lot of good stuff out there. And I think if you find ways to reach out and connect, you'll find ways that these places are selling that you can connect to. And here's the thing, it is going to cost you more. And it's going to cost you more because these are farmers and ranchers who are trying to pay themselves a living wage if they possibly can, but they're also doing this on a smaller scale. They're treating their animals ethically and responsibly. Um, you know, they're doing it right, and that's worth supporting, and that also helps us, as Jessica said, with our food security out here. Um, so those are all things that I feel like we can do to support our, our region, to support our local region and make sure that we're strong and healthy and, and, you know, help each other get through these very challenging times. And connecting with food is a great and positive thing to do. There's some great foragers out there, too, and maybe this is a good time. You know, learn how to, you know, forage. Learn how to use things like, you know, shoots and roots and things that grow wild. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know that there's been some restrictions on fishing, but I don't think that's going to last forever. So maybe, you know, this year might be a good year to learn how to fish. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and with all of this studying ethical practices with it, you know, the foraging mm-hmm. community is a community that's been around for a long time. And I know that it is a popular thing to be thinking about going out and foraging for ourselves Um great resources out there to read about ethical foraging. The things that I have been connecting with in my garden are some of those perennial edibles that I I have a tendency to ignore. Um, 
you know, some of the French sorrels, all of my herbs, the nettles that are in the that I planted in the garden for nettle pesto, some of those perennial edibles, great thing to be thinking about developing perennial edible gardens for ourselves, no matter how tiny they are, um, hopefully mm-hmm. big enough that we can do a little bit of sharing. Absolutely, and that's another thing to think about, too, if you are planting a garden. You know, it's okay if you plant more, and if you have more than you can eat in your garden, what a great problem to have. Reach out to your neighbors, reach out to your friends, and see if they'd like some extra lettuce or some kale or some peas, if you've got a glut of something, or learn how to do some preserving or processing. A lot of leafy greens make wonderful pestos. Pesto does not just have to be basil. It can be any mm-hmm. leafy green. It could be radish greens. It could be kale. It could be nettles. It could be anything. And just, you know, whizzing it up with a little bit of olive oil and garlic is something that you can freeze if you don't put your cheese into it. Yep. Or it could be vegan yep. at that point. You know, there's so many good things you can do with that. So, you know, if you plant too much of something, don't worry about it. Reach out. Find people in your community that might need a little bit extra. This is a great time to be connecting and reaching out and from a safe distance, helping each other out. <laughs> and um, you know, maybe off. sharing plants. If you go to the nursery and you get a, a pack of plants and it's got too many for your garden, ask around and see if there's somebody else that you could share those plants with for their garden too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just am I'm excited about this interest in gardening. I hear so many people talking about starting up gardens, um, putting up some fencing for deer, figuring out what they're going to plant. And I guess the thing I I would just encourage is patience. Um, You know, especially if this is your first time gardening, not everything is going to go right. And a lot of things might go wrong. And as long as there's one or two things that go right, that's success that you can build on. Um, yeah, I, process. I have killed process. so many plants in my time as a, as a grower, and uh, and you will, you will kill a lot of plants. A lot of things are going to die on you. Um, you and, know, the, the other thing I think about tea is um, flowers. Just a real oh, quick. I know yeah. we're almost out of time, yeah. but, a, but a shout out. I ha- I found myself looking around my personal, my home garden. Thinking, oh, you know, I need more room for food, and where can I fit in another, you know, pea tower, or where am I going to grow my beans, and kind of sizing up my posse of bamboo poles and rebar, and what am I going to build, and thinking about stuff, and feeling a little, just a skosh guilty about how many flowers I have coming up. You never feel guilty about flowers. Oh, I know. Oh, we should never feel guilty about flowers. Flowers feed our soul. That's what I think, yeah. and they are so important for us, so important for and us, and, and important for I, insects know, and pollinators, see, too. To see the pollinators really? coming, and yeah. that, that has been one of the greatest joys for me in my garden right now is just kind of after a weeding session, sitting back and watching and listening to those hummingbirds and bumblebees and mason bees and seeing honeybees mm-hmm. in my neighborhood that I'm like, where, where are you from? Yeah, you know, yeah. where did you come from? And that, that is part of our garden, too, and, and such, a, such an important part of the garden. Sunflowers, they're so easy to grow. You'll feel a yeah. great sense of accomplishment. They get big. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There are so many great flowers to grow in this area. 
we have a really good climate for a lot of those things. And, you know, and as Jessica said, you know, your insects, the pollinators, birds are going to be so grateful and happy that you have flowers in your garden. So I definitely encourage that as well. And they just bring so much joy. Um, they really true. do. And I think we all can use a little bit of joy and <laughs> color and happiness yes. and, and good things like that in our lives. And gardens really can do that for people. And that's just one of, to me, one of the gifts. And again, if you don't have a garden, if you live in an apartment, you know, if maybe you have a balcony, think about some containers, you know, maybe reach out to some of the community gardens and see if they're open to, um, mm-hmm. if they have any open beds, you know, or reach out to a neighbor maybe who does have a house with a garden and they're not using their garden and see if they might be open to letting you do a little gardening for them and grow some things yeah. there that you can share with them. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking that can be about a great way is. to build community as well. Yep, exactly. Can you sneak things into the sun on the edges in your your driveway or somewhere? And yes, community gardens. More of them. More yeah. of them. Hey, Jessica, you know what I just hey, realized? Hey, Since we're both here yeah. wandering around outside talking to each other on our cell phones, neither of us has any idea what time it is. So I'm just going to say right now that our lovely engineer, Dylan, is just going to have to cut us off at some point. <laughs> Tell us, hey, you're done. <laughs> Because we don't know what time it is. And that's actually kind of lovely. I'm sort of happy that I don't know it what time is. it is. I'm just weeding away. We've moved I away know. from each other. I'm, my hands are filthy from weeding. I'm looking at the blue sky and the clouds and the trees. There are so many swallows. Ah, oh, the swallows all over the farm. They've come back. And it's so it's delightful really fun to, watch to them see them come back. Chittering. You know who's back, too? The white pelicans, Teresa. The white pelicans really? in the bay. Yes. Oh. Yes. I hear bird watching has really surged in popularity during this pandemic because so many people I'm are stuck at home just staring outside their windows. What else are you going to do? You're going to get curious about the birds. So get yep. curious about the yep. birds in your garden. Maybe get a bird book and start asking questions and learn about the different bird calls. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Oh, just, they're mm-hmm. so beautiful. They're so beautiful. Same thing with the pollinators. And I found myself looking up various little wingless things in my garden that we're doing pollinating work. Pretty fun. Take takes a mm-hmm. while. <laughs> Absolutely. And those are also, again, like kind of coming back around to if you've got kids at home, these are some also great things to do with kids that kind of have a little tiny bit of science tucked in there, oh, but that science can science. be tucked into a cool activity outdoors. You know, insect <laughs> identification, bird identification, um, if we are getting to go on hikes, um, up logging roads or something, doing doing native plant identification and thinking about plants that we might like to introduce into our gardens. Absolutely. There's a lot of really cool activities um, for families to do or for individuals to do. I mean, you don't have to have kids to do this. You could also just start a little journal and make a note of all the birds that come to your garden, what insects are around, what time of year. What plants do they seem to particularly like? And those are some really cool things to think about. I've definitely learned about some of the flowers that I grow. Um, I plant more of them now because I see them just covered with pollinating insects. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. those are the ones. Those are the ones I'm really keying in on. They're not always the most flashy, but those are the ones they really love. So, yeah. Um, and I think about a lot of those um, Things in the, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, the Umble family. I think it would be Umbrella family. <laughs> you know, things like yeah. Dill <laughs> and Queen Anne's Lake. I may plant Latin. <laughs> it's terrible. But, you know, things that have that kind of rounded flower 
Um, yeah. If you let your dill go to flower or you let your carrots go to flower or you have yep. some Queen Anne's lace or some of those kinds of flowers in your garden, um, fennel is another one, too, that gets that kind of flower. And insects really love those flowers. Yeah. They're not the most yeah, showy, but, but, but boy, are you going to make your insect happy. Some of the cow parsley, though, I, I have a raven's wing, sylvestris. It's not a native cow parsley, um, but it has this beautiful, lacy, dark foliage with white, humble blossoms. And whoo, dynamite to play off of with other perennials. Fun ones for the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking around at the other side of my greenhouse and looking at all of my lavender plants and thinking that's a great perennial for this area. And boy, do bees love lavender. They really Here do. We and go. you know, it's funny. I find like it's more Teresa. the bumblebees that love lavender. It's not. Um, it's not necessarily the. The. Oh, Jeff, the music's oh, on. Is it time? The music's on. Dylan's signaling us in a special, <laughs> quiet sort of way. Uh, that, that is, we've come to a close on another show. Thank you so much for meeting us here in the garden today. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Dylan. And thanks to everyone who's listening. Um, we'll figure out the recording thing soon. I will not screw up again. And uh, we'll be back with more in season. Let us know your questions and um, get outside and get gardening. <laughs>